Eagles Entertainment. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. Oh, listen, listen. I have to cut the game on every TV in the house because if the Eagles are losing, I blame it on the room. Jersey goes on. I have a particular jersey. This is one of many. For an Eagles fan, if the Eagles win, it's we won. You know, we won. Okay, we're back. It's a new episode of Return Game. Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation. We sure are, and we are talking about something a bit unexpected, but I'm here for it. In this episode, we're exploring the psychological reasons sports fans are sports fans. What drives people to follow a team? Maybe even get so hooked they turn into a super fan. What even is a super fan? Doesn't everyone in this town fall under that category? I would tend to say yes, but I also wonder if there is a line from healthy to unhealthy fandom. All right, let's meet our experts. Susan Krauss Whitborn. I'm a professor emerita, University of Massachusetts Amherst, and uh, currently also a faculty fellow at the University of Massachusetts Boston. My interest in the fan rivalry topic really began as an offshoot of general social psychology and fan behavior being one specific area in which a lot of concepts become merged just in terms of social behavior. But secondly, I'm interested from the standpoint of personal identity and the way that being a sports fan becomes part of a person's overall sense of who they are to greater or lesser degrees. And it's important to get this out of the way right now. Susan Whitbourne follows. The Patriots <laughs> and the Bills to a certain extent because that's where I grew up. So I had to go to Philadelphia um, a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl, having planned to go with all my regalia from the Patriots, but I had to drag in with less bravado, <laughs> shall we say. Do we dare play the clip again? Is three times in one season too many? I don't think so. So I vote yes. Derek? Well, Susan did bring it up, so it's almost like an invitation to rub it in. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around. And incomplete. incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. Okay, Aubrey Kent, co-founder of the Sport Industry Research Center at Temple University. And I'm currently the senior associate dean of the Fox School of Business. I grew up in Canada, but in Toronto, so we were on the 
close to the border and we go to Buffalo to watch NFL games, but also the CFL is, is very popular in, in Canada. The CFL, the Canadian Football League. Some people, I'm not saying who, might see these clubs as a distant second to the NFL. But this is the league that gave us Warren Moon, Joe Theismann, and Joe Horn. So it's not all bad. I've been in the States long enough. I did my graduate school at Ohio State, which is obviously a football factory. And then my first 10 years as a faculty member were at Florida State. The very first year I was there was 99, where they won a national title. So even if I wasn't a football fan, I don't know that I would have been able to avoid it. But luckily for me, I'm a football fan. While we were producing season two, we interviewed fans and followers of the teams we profiled in our last episode. You know the one, the one taking a sweeping look at NFL rivalries. These conversations mean we have pretty good fan stories, so you'll hear those voices and tales in this episode. The most obvious source of fandom is your family. If they are fans, chances are you'll be a fan too. Here are Dan McCauley and Mike Lindenfelser, two Steeler fans who illustrate this point. When my grandma was still alive, you could have a conversation about Steelers football with my grandma, just like you would or I would with a buddy. Like she knew that much about uh, the Steelers. And I always thought that was awesome. That was crazy. But if you talk to other people, there are other grandmas in Western Pennsylvania that are exactly the same. Like it's, you know, it, it goes that deep. It's passed on from generation to generation. This story makes me a bit nervous to run into grandmas in Western PA, but I know some things about football, so I might do all right. Now, in Mike and Dan's family, even the tickets become heirlooms. My mom, who is Mike's mother-in-law, my aunt, my uncle still have Steelers season tickets. And it's actually in my mom's will that I get her Steelers season ticket. Sure, it's great if the whole family supports the same team, but sometimes that's just not the way it is. In the Quinn family, Colin is a Bears fan, so his beef is with the Packers. His family's fandom makes it more complicated on some Sundays. My mother is a diehard Eagles fan, so within the family we have some some riffs every now and then. You know, when, when the Eagles play the Bears, my mother will either watch in a separate room because she doesn't like that we'll, you know, yell at the TV against her team, or she'll go out somewhere else to watch the game. So uh, there, there's that piece. So Colin gets a heated, long-standing rivalry. When it comes to, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, I definitely, uh, I feel the similar feelings that I have for the Packers, the Eagles fans have for, uh, for the Cowboys. And I mean, there's a Cowboys fan across the street from me here and people are like, what are you doing in this area? You're in the wrong place. But uh, no, it's uh, it's definitely a, a very big rivalry. I would definitely put it up there on par with the Bears Packers rivalry. I'm not so sure, Colin. I think ours is definitely the best, but please tell your mom, thanks for being an Eagles fan. Susan Whitbourne says that fandom, allegiances, and following a team is all normal family stuff. I think that's where fandom has its deep, deep roots in identity. Because your family was close to this team. Your family created situations in which 
there were a lot of positive feelings around being together with family and celebrating. And then it's not just being with your parents, you're getting balloons and you're getting hot dogs and candy corn and all the great stuff and toys and prizes and everybody's laughing and cheering and having a good time or crying and being miserable, but still together. So that's how it starts. It's, I'd say, 100% nurture because it is so it's so bred in by your surroundings, not by your genes. For an Eagles fan, if the Eagles win, it's we won. You know, we won. If the Eagles are having a, a hard way to go or have lost, you know what I'm saying? It was a tough day for us today, you know what I'm saying? We lost, but still, you know, good game. An Eagles fan is going to, you know, is, is an Eagles fan is ever supportive, you know what I'm saying? Even to a fault. So that's sort of, that's just the way it is. Tariq Trotter from The Roots is onto a psychological concept, maybe without realizing it. Berging is an acronym for basking in reflected glory. And it's essentially the, the manifestation of our desire as human beings to feel good about ourselves. And so it's this affiliating with things that are positive that reflects back on us to make us feel positive. Oftentimes, it's a subconscious thing that we wouldn't even notice. Bear with Aubrey here. We spoke to him during hockey season. We were just following the Flyers through the playoffs. And, you know, we did a great job of coming back from 3-1 to force a game seven. But, you know, then they had uh, some problems with the power play and they weren't able to get it done in game seven. Oh, hockey and your seven game series. And so you probably don't even notice what I said there, but that's what Berging is in that sentence. We forced a game seven. We did a great job coming back, but then they couldn't get it together on the power play. Right. And the key words in there are we and they. And so when we're talking about our team, we use the phrase we to be inclusive when we're speaking positively, but subconsciously we'll say they to dissociate from things that are negative. So that, you know, the, the most common thing we say is we won or they lost. And it's the way we, we want to attach ourselves to success, but dissociate from things that are negative. Here is a montage of berging from fans. Listen out for the basking and reflective glory language. I think Baltimore is different, and I think we realized that we were, I guess, in for a challenge as a you know traditional Steelers fan base when the, the Ravens would actually beat us in meaningful games. If we win two games a year and they're both against the Packers, I'm a happy camper. Like, we go 2-14, and 14, but if we beat the Packers twice, that's a successful season. Hey, I thought that two wins a year was an Eagles-Cowboys phenomenon. A few years ago when we were trying to get into the playoffs – and we were up against the Cowboys, and we ended up blowing them out by like 30 points or something like that, and it was, it was an incredible game. But there's a flip side to Berging. Cutting off reflected failure, acronym CORFING. Aubrey Kent will now tell us about CORFING? We want to dissociate ourselves from things that are negative. And so we use adjectives like they and them instead of we and us to subconsciously and, and sometimes semantically, but I think psychologically, it's meaningful, dissociate from things, even if it's as simple as the team losing. For this series, we talked only to the truest, most dedicated fans from across the league. So we don't have a great example of this concept. But we did hear about some of this cutting off reflective failure or corfing in Dallas fans. Some of them weren't in it for the long haul. Call them fair weather fans. 
David Boreanaz gives us a glimpse of what this behavior might be like. And if they win, it's all good. And like any typical Philadelphia fan, if they lose and the jersey comes off, you throw it down. You, you're just like disturbed. You can't believe they lost. You, t- you start like saying, I don't want the coach out of there. We don't have any wide receivers. And then it goes and feeds into WIP. And then it's a complete disaster. And then it's a mess. The difference between the two concepts. And then the next week you're ready to go and you put the jersey back on. Now, just to reassure you, David bleeds green. You can experience the depth of his fandom from the Fandemonium episode. Me and my brothers used to be very superstitious. That's Mark Borgerson. He's a lifelong Eagles fan. But it was touch and go for a while. His dad is actually a Giants fan. But Mark and his brother helped him see the error of his ways. And for the past 15 years, father and sons have been bleeding Eagle green together. Me and my two brothers had Eagles players jerseys from both offense and defense. And every single time the Eagles would turn the ball over, we would flip jerseys and put on the defending players jersey while the Eagles are on defense and then vice versa. And um, never got us a Super Bowl, but we got got there in 04 and we like to attribute it to that. On behalf of the Eagles organization, thank you, Mark, for your contribution. Maybe it was the jerseys. So the ones that I had were I had a Donovan McNabb jersey. It was a black one. Uh, and then I had a green Michael Lewis jersey, who was our strong safety back when Brian Dawkins was our free safety. Uh, my brother had a Brian Dawkins jersey on defense and then a Terrell Owens jersey on offense. It may surprise you to learn that some of this superstitious behavior has ties to a psychological experiment involving pigeons. Susan Whitbourne explains her interest in this topic started with a film from the 1950s. The film was a recording of psychologist B.F. Skinner with his pigeons in the Skinner box. So what he found was that pigeons will peck for pellets. That's what they do. So they'll peck when they think that what they're doing will give them more pellets. And what he found was that he could get pigeons to do all kinds of things before giving them a reward because they, quote unquote, thought, that they were being rewarded for the superstitious behavior. So when I started talking about that in my classes, and I, I had these you know massive intro psych classes, and I would use sports as the metaphor for superstitious conditioning, and have people look around and see you know how many UMass stuff they were wearing. Uh, but then even like simpler things like you have a lucky pencil, you take it to an exam, etc. So superstitious conditioning is where you get reinforcement, not for doing the thing that you were supposed to be learning, but for the auxiliary thing that you now believe to be causing this. So that's why wearing your lucky shirt, wearing your shirt inside out, wearing your hat on forwards or backwards, sideways, all of these become superfluous to the outcome of the game, but there's this conditioning where the last time I did this, my team won. So Jeff Towns, a.k.a. DJ Jazzy Jeff, is a Birds fan. The way he acts on game day is a great example of this superstitious conditioning concept. He's usually a reasoned and measured man, but when it's bird time, pigeon pun intended, that flies out the window. Oh, listen, listen. I have to cut the game on every TV in the house because if the Eagles are losing, I blame it on the room and I walk out of the room and I'll go in another room. 
my wife used to look at me like, why is the game on five TVs and we're all in the living room and you just walk out and she's wondering where I'm at and I'm standing in front of the TV in the bedroom and if the energy shifts and they start winning, I won't go back in the other room. Every time the Eagles lose, I think it's my fault. I just believe that I was in the wrong room. Jeff, please believe me when I say this. We do not blame you for any losses, even those suffered at the hands of the boys. Ultimately, being a sports fan is a very healthy thing. It's a very psychologically healthy activity. There's a lot of talk around, you know, being a sport fan, the stereotypical couch potato, not being as good as being a sport participant, right? Why should I sit and watch a game when I could go out for a run or a bike ride? And there's obviously truth to that, but it downplays the healthy aspects of being a sport fan, not least of which is the social engagement that being a sports fan allows us. It allows us points of connection with other people and that social need that we have psychologically is very important and shouldn't be downplayed. But it's also very healthy physiologically because you can get positive self-worth, you can get self-esteem, you can get adrenalized and, and physiologically have positive reactions from watching almost to the same levels as you can by playing. There's some real positive benefits to this sport fandom and it goes well beyond this sort of couch potato stereotype. So I always sort of make the case for sports fans and, and this ability to emotionally attach It's a really positive thing, actually, and it can have real meaning in a person's life. We know that no matter what happens, through the family tensions, the burging, the corfing, and the superstitions, twice a year, rain, shine, snow, or snowballs, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys will meet and our fans will show up because they always do. That's it for now. Fans, thank you for joining Derek Gunn and me. It's been a blast reliving these great rivalry moments. Now we have a question for you. Do you have an idea for our next season? Is there a game, a decade, a coach, or a player whose story you'd like us to tell? We'd love to hear your suggestions. You can leave your suggestions when you give us your five-star review. Compassionate and trusted care, clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare, so can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.